Hello and welcome in a new episode of Alpha Weekly. Today I'm with Merce Chail. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah? Perfect. <laughs> How's it going? Fine. Thank you for inviting. It's no, it's a pleasure. So I would like to know, so what's your profile? What do you do in life? What's, what, what keeps you busy most of the time? Most of the time it, uh, it's uh, quite a wide uh, question because actually most of the time it's also my family. So I've got two kids. That, that takes a lot of time of myself. But actually I'm also leading a venture capital firm which is called Neco Capital. And that it's uh, my new project right now. So what is the main objective of your company? And who do you surround yourself with? What type of project are you looking for? What is the main culture behind, behind the project? So we're raising our first fund. Um, I've got two other partners in the company and we're based in, in Barcelona and London. So we're mainly focusing on startups uh, which go to B2B or B2B2C uh, models um, in Spain and UK. Um, mainly in fintech, travel tech, craft tech, mobility and insurtech. So those are the fields that we think they're going to be transforming in the future years. And we're looking at scouting opportunities there. And how is it to, to develop a project like so in Barcelona? So why do you see the potential of the city? How, how do you see entrepreneurship growing in, in Barcelona, especially in this type of industries? Well, um, I've been in the industry for 15 years right now, so it has evolved so much. Um, I say that there's a strong ecosystem right now, so you'll see a lot of startups and there's exits also. So that's a kind of a feeder, so entrepreneurs that become successful and then their team also uh, kind of spin off and create other ventures. So there's a nice ecosystem also with the uh, venture builders, accelerators, and, and it's quite good opportunities and more on the industries that I've mentioned. Um, we choose chosen this, in, this industry because it's mainly um, either the UK or Spain. They have great opportunities. So let's say, for instance, in travel, travel industry, it's a strong industry in Spain, and we've been scouting opportunities, and we think that's a good pipeline for our new fund. And considering entrepreneurs, so when you were... One little note, guys. Um, the podcast part one has cut because I had an issue with my phone. So here is the second part, and thank you for following. Working pretty well. And also another one in the music industry, uh, creating a platform that some years ago when there was not so much access for small uh, music record companies. So we created all the software as a service to, to help them on processing all the metadata and, and the... Um, all the audios and so on to be able to distribute in, in um, main platforms like Spotify and those ones when they were starting. And what have you what have you seen is like for example so in, for instance when you work with an entrepreneur you look at the team you look at all these type of things but what do you see make people successful and what make people not successful? So you were speaking for instance about the ability to execute mm -hmm. but what would be the main skills to make an entrepreneur successful? It's a really tricky question. It's a tricky question actually because um, yep Uh, something when you're in front of an entrepreneur this must be passion so whenever they explain you and, and also combination of skills among the team uh, I personally don't like like one solo funder um, but then regarding the relationships between them they has to work so so sometimes family relationships don't work so friendship relationships neither so so it's a combination of um, how they uh, relate themselves how they complement And, and the ambition and having a clear leader if there's a, a whole team but there has to be a clear vision on, on what they want to do and that's something that people just transmit when, when you meet them so this type of passion I don't I mean, I'm not able to say what how do you evaluate it's something that it's more um, intensive. yeah intensive that. and like 
so I mean it's it's a tricky tricky question that I'm gonna ask now but like this podcast I mainly focused on young entrepreneurs so it's kind of sharing your viewpoint on on young entrepreneurship so when young people approach entrepreneurs uh, investors I mean it's kind of a tricky phase and tricky moment because it can be stressful so how would you recommend a young entrepreneur to approach investments when and and kind of how I personally love to said to get to know the entrepreneurs when they start. So I think it's worth spending time to get to know also the investor. Uh, I would recommend them uh, if you can make all this work before uh, and get to know which is the investor and what's the value that they are going to be adding. That's also important because you're going to be having someone inside your firm and you have to discuss on, on a lot of things because it takes time and, and we involve for so many years. So I would suggest, as well as we decide which are the entrepreneurs that we want to back, I think that the entrepreneurs should have also the, the power to, to identify and, and see who is the better fitting with themselves. Uh, because it, it can be a, a trigger to have a success or not, also depending on, on who you involve in your company. So spending time to get to know also the investor, Uh, where they invest, because not all of us, we have a specific investment thesis, each of us, we invest at different stages. But we love to, to give feedback, uh, so we spend a lot of time sharing our uh, investment thesis, when we invest, and, and also tips to the entrepreneurs, and also kind of our feedback. That's something that we could do, we do quite often. So let's say right now I approach you a project, and you, you think that it's not, you know, it's not the right fit, it's not the right type of... Of investment, should I be should I be willing to represent that same project to you later on, or how would it work? I love to keep updated on on the process. Most of the entrepreneurs that I've seen and that have uh, been successful, uh, I've received emails from them just uh, sharing data updates. So you don't know. It, it's a way that even just receiving a short email explaining a bit uh, how you evolve, that's pretty useful, and and it gives you to the investor now it's a moment to to come back to these guys. And, and see if, if they are already investment ready. So, so that's something that um, it's quite useful for the investor to keep track on the companies because we get to know many entrepreneurs in a whole year. And sometimes these type of things is that the ones that make you kind of um, be keen to invest on that company and not uh, go and push for another one. And as an investor, like we, we know that an investor invests a lot, a lot of money, a lot of time. What would be the expectations for return on money and how, how long would it take for for example if for instance um, you have a project the investment is, is given and stuff what are from your point of view the expectations of the investor to get the money back and to make a profit from that <laughs> we, we normally miss for is it really a short term so uh, we plan to be with the company between three to five years uh, sometimes it takes more uh, but actually let's say in our case that we invest in series A Probably we're not going to be uh, exiting if the company is with several financing rounds. We would stay until the Series C. So that uh, company raising another valuation, we keep our position and then we leave when, we, when some value is created. Um, if there's no financing round, let's say that company gets traction in other markets. So, so it, it takes at least three to five years to, to see the company evolve and be able to get value on our position which means in terms of return so uh, it's always as much as possible is better but actually our, uh, we expect at least to have a three to five x for each of the companies because we know there's going to be and we all are expecting on, on having a home run so a company that gives you back the whole funds money but but we know that we uh, we're going to have some write-offs 
So uh, the companies that we invest, a priori, they have to be able to uh, give you a great return to compensate on the on the write-offs that you're going to have on the portfolio. And within within sorry, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> within your portfolio, um, so like you'll have several projects but some projects never never make it never go forward so what is the feeling behind that when when a project doesn't manage to to accomplish the goals that they were set well, i always say that uh, it takes more time normally from a bc uh, to to back companies that are not performing as well as they should that the companies that are performing well so normally yeah, which means that the team is able to execute by themselves so we normally spend a lot of time with the companies that are not performing Uh, looking for other approaches or another go-to-market strategy, whatever it is that it's not uh, working. Uh, sometimes when, when there's a write-off, there's also a pity for ourselves. So, so um, it's also difficult to stop putting money when uh, you know, a company is not performing, deciding to stop backing it. Sometimes it's quite hard decision. In terms of the, ter the team internally in a, in a venture capital firm, we also try to Uh, rotate on the companies that we're uh, looking for because at the end you get also so involved with entrepreneurs that sometimes it's, it's quite difficult to take this kind of cold decision and be able to um, separate a bit and be objective on, on whether it's important it's, it's uh, you can back again for a company that is pivoting or it's doing a different application of their solution or whatever it is Uh, so it's also quite difficult for us to, to stop on a company and decide, okay, it's no longer working and let's uh, assume, uh, let's return our stakes to the entrepreneurs. Definitely. And uh, so you invest your money, but do you get your call to say, hey, like this company needs to stop what they're doing? Um, how much power does the VC have within a business? We take minority positions. So the power itself comes from being in the, on the board. Um, I think you have to demonstrate at the end it's uh, normally the position, the lead position is from the entrepreneurs and that has to be like this because otherwise they're going to be not, not motivated at all. So, so we want the team to be motivated to take their decisions. We assume that they are the ones that know on the business that they are running. It's not the PC. What we know and when we can add value, it's on strategy, on different uh, changes of rhythm, on on the moment that you have to take uh, someone in the team and get uh, specific expertise or go to a specific market. So, so we can help on that. But at the end, if it doesn't work, um, then we'll have to... Uh, so it's a team's decision. Uh, it's not only the VC that decides that uh, we're going to stop operations. So. Definitely. So, oh my God, I forgot the question I was going to ask. This is kind of tricky. Um, Oh my god, I got lost. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, my question, my, it's just that I'm thinking about questions and then at the same time I'm listening, so I'm like, oh my god, this is interesting, and then I get lost again. Right, so um, different VCs sometimes like get, take part in the board of the businesses. So you as an investor, how much, how, what, what works? Do you take shares? Do you take equity? Do you take... Well, we normally take from... Let's say between 15 to 25, that should be the average on, on the stake that we take. Uh, and it differs if we are leading the investment or if we are kind of co-investing or it's a more a follower position. In our case, we want to lead in Spain and UK. So that means having the board position and being able to kind of bring other businesses on board. 
in other geographies where we don't have the presence, then we kind of act as a follower. So if there's a good opportunity that comes from another PC, uh, we consider it, but then we don't take a proposition. And uh, so you told me, you kind of explained to me the, the structure of your team. So could we explain this in the podcast and kind of explain who you're working with, how you surrounded yourself with the people you're in today and what makes you so, so happy to have, have this team? Yeah, uh, I was, uh, I think I mentioned to you that we, uh, we define ourselves like a local fan. So that means having people, uh, at least for the front office. So let's say the uh, scouting guys in each of the cities that we want to work. So we have a, a team scouting opportunities in London, another one in Madrid and in Barcelona. The back office, so anything that, because there's a lot of back office also in a VC, so working with investors means that you have to report to them. Uh, we're on regulated markets, so we have to report also to authorities. So all this type of stuff, it's based in Barcelona. And then we have a person also in, in Paris. So, so how they work, it's a different combination of nationalities. Uh, what they do, they are normally not at the office. They have to be outside going to events, uh, working with accelerators and getting to know startups and entrepreneurs. So that's our day-to-day business, except for the guys that are at the back office. Um, and I'm and, and really proud because it's a combination of people uh, that come from technical side, uh, people that comes from uh, more business side, And also we have also created kind of a platform with resources. So, so there's people working with them like on communication stuff, uh, on hiring, on recruiting and, and different types of things. And in my case, for instance, I spend time also uh, having lunch with entrepreneurs from time to time. So trying to improve the value that we add to the companies and getting to know from them what they are expecting from a fund and where we may be helping them when scaling and after our investment. So, because it's, it's great to scout opportunities and, and get to find good, good prices to back, but then starts, all the work starts. So well, we, we try to involve as much as needed and, and it's kind of a tailored based. So it depends on the company, what they need and, and we try to, to put all our services Definitely. Well, venture capital, like any business, has competitors and there's more and more and more VCs. Like, I mean, from the time you started to now, how much has it increased? I mean, I'm just being curious. Yeah, a lot. A lot. When, when I started, it was mainly, uh, I would say, public VCs. So, launch. So, that means uh, that the, it was the solo LP coming from, so, solo investor, mm-hmm. which was the government launching their own uh, so so the people that was working there was not independent so it was mainly uh, hired by the administration to, to run the funds then uh, when i started I, i had the opportunity to start in a pioneer that was mainly one of the first independent firms so that means uh, so in 15 years it has appeared a lot it has um, we have seen also the race of corporate pcs so corporations also launching their internal teams to to scout opportunities or create both accelerators and and direct investments and now we're seeing more and more foreign investors coming to Spain so that's another part so having uh, because valuations are attractive there's a lot of talent here and and there are companies that are performing extremely well how do you differentiate oh my god how do you differentiate yourself from like others and manage to because like with that many players in that market there's a lot of startups but not all startups are going to be successful startups. We know that many, many startups fail. We know that many, many entrepreneurs don't become successful and don't manage to achieve the goals they have. So how do you manage to have the power to find the right startups when there's so many sharks in the market? Our proposal is pretty clear. Um, so each fund tries to differentiate themselves. 
among the other words, with a, a specific value that you can make at. In our case, uh, it's that we are from scratch working in several locations. So our team may help the companies and if that means uh, only by your network, you are relating with companies in the UK, in Spain and France. So that means that we have a network of uh, um, through our own team to be able to scale, um, identify other PCs that may jump on board in uh, the second rounds. That's one thing. Then also we on, only work on those five industries, which means that we get to know a lot on which are the trends, which technologies apply, who may be a good customer for you in those industries. And we know what we're talking about. And then I would suggest that the third one, um, it's also that we put on, on working our own investors list. So those, it's not that we ask for their money to invest in the startups and, and never then come back with the returns, but we want them to, involved, to be involved with the companies. So if we are able to have one of our investors being a customer of one of our portfolio companies, we put it on board. We've made it in, let's say, we've made an investment in a fintech company in the UK um, and the entrepreneur, so it was an oversubscribed round and we got to inside because he wanted to come to Spain. And that was the way he, he had great guys like Oxford Capital, Briga, Santanderino Ventures, so great names on board. And he made a small ticket for us and we're helping them on, on coming to Spain and working from, with some insurance companies deploying their solution. So that's the tip of things that we can may do and that's the way they run well, for Spanish companies when they come and go to the UK or to France. That's great. I mean, attracting talent in Spain, <laughs> considering the lifestyle, that's not that complicated. <laughs> do you pull off the, like, playa card or...? <laughs> no, I, talent, it's quite accessible. There's talent here. The quality of life is great to come. Uh, so we have many foreign entrepreneurs also living here, uh, which is amazing. Uh, so this diverse of culture, I, I love diversity in teams. Um, my whole team, so there's uh, eight nationalities among a team of ten, so that that means how are in the how how it works. But actually, uh, we've seen also that it's becoming difficult to go to recruit in the IT side because there's uh, big corporations coming here and they pay great wages. So um, it's uh, it's becoming so. So I would say that it's not getting so so really true that it's easy to get access to talent here in Barcelona. So, like, how do you see yourself fitting in the Barcelona ecosystem then? Like, where kind of, um, how can I formulate this question? Mm. Where are you kind of seeing yourself um, mostly in the, in the ecosystem and why Barcelona mostly before Madrid? What do you see is better in Barcelona in terms of ecosystem rather than Madrid? Well, when, when we started, we, we thought that um, first there's more funds uh, in, UK, in, in Madrid than in, in Barcelona even though some of them are investing in Barcelona. From scratch, uh, two of the partners, we, we come from Barcelona, we were working abroad before and we wanted to, so specifically one of my partners was working for an Israeli fund and he wanted to come back to Barcelona because it was the time for that and we think that the whole ecosystem has evolved so much that it makes, uh, there's still room for many VCs here, so that's one thing. Uh, Madrid is good for working with corporations, that's why we have also something there, but I, I wouldn't be launching a specific fund Uh, to invest only in Madrid in that case. Um, how we see uh, our evolving in the future, so probably going to other, other geographies where, where we would like to, to, to help the companies scaling. 
we even uh, so in our future long-term plan uh, it's to create uh, a bridge between Europe and Asia which are difficult markets and we have a lot of contacts there it's something that we can do it's the same thing it's as a fan we have to work uh, and be realistic on what we can do with the team that we have but in the future we would love to have uh, also some possibilities to help the companies on looking to those other markets that are not so accessible from here. Probably from the UK, that's, uh, it's pretty easy to work with India, in, at least in the fintech side. So we see a lot of links that end up, uh, if we want to add value, there's a lot of things that have to be done from, from the VC side. So you say you want, to, you, want to, so you want to implement more headquarters and stuff like that in Asia as well, or just be able to improve on the, on the pulling projects from there to Europe? For the time being, we are working with VCs uh, there uh, because for us it's important to benchmark what is going on, not only in Europe but also in other markets. So, so we keep in the radar and we have discussions like every quarter with funds in India, for instance, for anything on the fintech side because they, they are creating amazing things there. Um, it's, it's quite difficult for companies to, to go to those markets. What we see is opportunity also from Asian companies lending in, in Europe. So we're helping now on this way, on companies that want to establish in the UK or want to approach Spain. Um, in the future, why not making the other way around and establishing headquarters? But, uh, but for the time being, let's be realistic. I think there's a lot of things that have to be done still in Europe. Great, great, great. So, Paris, leading, well, one of the leading cities. London, one of the leading cities. Barcelona, best, I mean, southern, southern Europe's spot for, like, entrepreneurship ecosystem and all that. So, um, I'm kind of thinking, <laughs> this is so much information. This is great, though. I really like it. I really like it. Um, from an entrepreneur's standpoint, so let's say people are in, interested in VC and stuff. It's kind of complicated. It's a complicated world to get in, right? You mean like for working? Yeah, yeah. To start yeah. with VC. To start with VC, we have a lot of trainees, for instance, in our company. That's the way for us to, to check the capabilities and they uh, being able to have criteria, which is not you have it or you don't have it. It's like uh, it's quite difficult to train people on that. Um, so we kind of uh, check different profiles. Um, and see how they fit in the company. We expose them to see a lot of uh, companies. I always say that there's no, no one that has the right this opinion. So uh, we love to see different profiles, uh, people with different mindsets and different cultures and see what they, say, what they all think about one single company. I think that improves our valuation skills as well. So the time for entering a company is either doing a training um, but on an internship, but also uh, when a company is raising a fund, so that's the moment to jump in. Um, so if you want to enter in companies, that's, that's the moment that we get uh, all the money together and, and normally the team is increased because you have still other funds that are running, which have their own team, probably you promote someone, but there's more team coming on board. And what's your, your process of like analysis of, of a project? So people come with you to your project, whether, whatever, well, I mean, in whatever way they send you mail, type formal, this type of thing to, you know, show, share with the, whether you their pitch deck and stuff. But what's your analysis process of a project and how, I mean, how, how long does it take kind of thing? It takes time. Uh, that's why I was saying that it's great to get to know the entrepreneurs as soon as possible because you, it's part of our due diligence, it's spending time with them, getting to understand which is the right their proposal, but also trying to understand what the market thinks, thinks about their proposal. So what we do a lot is 
check with potential customers. Uh, so we, we always thought that it's a kind of a win-win strategy. So they may get uh, endless, uh, a customer. Uh, the customer may get access to innovation. And uh, at least we're going to be trying to reduce our potential fails in the portfolio. So, so that's... Um, Something that we introduce in our due diligence as soon as possible, so trying to gather what experts, what uh, a C-level from a corporation or, or a business unit may be uh, thinking about their solution, even though if it's an initial stage, but at least get to see if there's going to be something as kind of a stopper, something that they have to develop to, to have a perfect market fit. So that's something that we introduce, and it's part important of our evaluation. Of course, there's a, our own team checking what they've said, if it's really true, if we identify other competitors, um, and try to benchmark what is going on in, in different geographies. Because startups, if there's a market need, probably there's someone developing the same thing in different countries. So we'll have to put them in, contact, in competition, so kind of see how they evolve. And, and not deciding to, to back the Spanish company because it's the one that you have close to, close to yourself. But, uh, or at least, if you're going to be backing, getting to know their competitors as well, that improves a lot on giving feedback to the company. Knowing that you're currently based in, like, let's say, mostly in England and in, and in Spain, if you see a project in any other part of, of Europe, would you still back them up? Would you still get interested by, by that type of profile or not? We have uh, some part of the portfolio kind of reserved from, from the total amount that we manage um, to, to back other geographies because we've been free partners, we've been quite a long time in the industry and we know a lot of VCs all over Europe, so they share opportunities with us. And, and as, as part, as I was saying, as, as we love to uh, compare what's going on in different countries, uh, if there's a good opportunity in France, we're going to be backing. It's not that we make a specific scouting, But, uh, but we even go every two months to one city in Europe, stay with, with other PCs, have a meetup, share opportunities for co-investment, because we think that uh, the value that may bring some PCs coming from different geographies, it makes a lot of sense for the startup. So it's this type of network that we may have. It's quite different. Why instead of having two Spanish PCs, which probably coincide on who they know in the industry, it's much better in my opinion, to have a, a French VC and a Spanish VC, which may open doors in the two geographies. So that's something that we kind of curate a lot and work with our kind of our peers in other countries. And why not then investing with them? We're not going to be leading, uh, probably, but, uh, but we share a lot of opportunities. And, and there's markets like Ireland, which we are looking a lot, Portugal as well. France is quite competitive. Uh, it's quite competitive right now because there's many funds and um, it's quite difficult for us to find even though we have a person there um, it's difficult to find good opportunities for a foreign VC but, uh, but there are other geographies where we've seen quite uh, exciting um, initiatives hmm? Out of curiosity, what brought you to the VC world and like um, like what, what brought you here what brings you to this to right here at this table discussing with me about, about venture capital Well, I started my career in corporate and decided that I wasn't feeling with that. Um, I love to, to be involved in, in companies when they start. Um, so probably even if the venture capital firm grows, I probably be, get not excited at all. But, uh, so I know what I, what I love is to, to back these initial stages, be able to, to help 
and and get this passion of the entrepreneur. So so that's something that kind of gets you in inside this sector, and it's quite difficult to to jump outside <laughs> once again. <laughs> and as a VC, what's the best and what's the worst? Like, what's the most positive and the most negative? Tricky question. It's uh, that difficult question. That's I would say that our the tough part of our job is to divest from the companies. So getting to know people who may buy your position, um, I would say it's pretty easy if they normally in financing rounds because the one that comes wants the team also to be motivated and it's quite uh, there could be cash out opportunities. So that's the moment which uh, may be um, easier to to divest. But if you're looking for trade sale, getting to know who may be a potential buyer for the company and uh, getting to exactly the guys that uh, may be doing an offering and, and that on their strategy, they want to that technology or that market that this company is targeting, that's uh, quite a tough part. Uh, good, the good part, that's, that's pretty easy. I love being working with entrepreneurs and getting um, their passion for the business, um, getting to know what people may be inventing and, and creating that, that uh, enriches your life. I that seems say. like a very passionate part. Like you, yeah. you seem to me like a very people's person mm. that you really like being with people. Am, am I right? I think that's something that is quite common. On, um, we're kind of quite a social guys, all the VCs, um, because that's part of... So getting to know persons, that means that you have to be open to uh, asking questions, to... Um, listening to them so it's like sometimes you become a coach sometimes it's kind of a therapist as well <laughs> so, yeah. so you, do, you do a lot of things with them um, sometimes even with the companies that I've been uh, involved that I've divested uh, they keep me phoning asking for for some advice with the new ventures so that's so that's amazing because you get to work together a lot with the, with the startups For people that are not from entrepreneurship or that are, that are just starting, that don't have any experience in that world, investors might look like these guys on Shark Tank, ripping projects apart and just being very critical. <laughs> I would say that that's, uh, that's not right. We're clearly entrepreneurs ourselves. Yeah. So imagine we are now, as I, as I told you, we're raising our first fund. Uh, so I've been doing my pitch for raising my fund like many, many times. Uh, I've been sending emails that no one answers on the other side. So um, we are quite the uh, same. Quite same, yeah. Quite the same. And, and raising a fund, it, it takes exactly the same and even more time than raising a financing round for a startup. So we know on, our, on ourselves what it means. So we also make capital increase to pay our team. Um, that's, uh, I, I, now that we are seeing the first closing of our fund, we're quite happy on being able to, put, to increase the wages of our team. Because, uh, you know, you, you do exactly the same thing that, that any startup. <laughs> so how do you raise money as a VC? <laughs> Who do you pitch? Other VCs? Yeah, no, we've been pitching corporations. Uh, so we have commitments from corporations. We've been pitching public institutions. And then the, tip, the usual suspects, so family offices, fan of funds, um, high net worth individuals. So anyone that, uh, so you, you know, it's, our asset class is quite difficult to invest. It's not for public, just for general public. Um, it must be big amounts of endowments, which may uh, add something to venture because we are quite a risky asset, let's say, because uh, it's true that we don't have any guarantee that uh, on returning the whole amount. 
but also we, we have a problem on the liquidity. So if it takes three to five years for every startup to evolve, it means that the fund itself, it takes like from eight to 10 years to give back to the investors the money that they committed. So that's on a long run. So there's other asset classes that give you more money in more short time or, or at least um, more secure. <laughs> What's the most risky, VC or entrepreneur? And what do you prefer, VC or entrepreneur, and why? <laughs> uh, well, once you've made your first uh, fund and you start, uh, then and, and probably the next ones, they don't take so much for fundraising, so it's not so risky because you've, you have your, you've have proved that as a team you may be working and you have good returns. Um, so that's why probably you see most of the venture capital companies that either they raise raise two, three, four funds, or they just raise one and disappear. So, so that's, it's quite binary in that sense. Uh, either you make it right or you are out of the market. Um, but itself, but also, I think it's more risky. So launching whatever the project it is, that's the, the risky part. You have to be able to live in a roller coaster. So like saying, emotional with coaster. emotional roller coaster also, it's difficult to combine sometimes with families with uh, all the logistics um, that it implies. Um, but at the end, if you have a clear vision of what you want to do, uh, things just keep moving. Finally, to close off this episode, I'm going to come up with that typical um, question that comes up a lot in the news, but I don't, I don't like, but I do like this question at the same time. So as a woman in VC, how, how is it? How is it? And how do you hope things will change or evolve? Um, that's okay as in any other sector except that when you go to meetings you're the only <laughs> woman in the room that's one thing um, I never experienced any type of um, differentiation among my peers but the thing that I would love is to have more like societies so having more women on board but also if you look to entrepreneurs that's the same thing there's less entrepreneurs that if we don't have successful entrepreneurs then we're not going to be having probably less VCs, uh, women VCs, let's say. So uh, I'm also working in some initiatives. I think that we have to create things uh, to be, make sure that women entrepreneurs have enough financing to, so there's no discrimination on that. And there's a lot of studies that say that it's not like so. Um, even though there are studies that also say that they have better returns. Um, so that's one thing that we have to work, at least, I think from an investor uh, perspective, that's important to add a little a bit on, on, on that side but also because there's a lot of technologies that uh, are like intelligent, artificial intelligence that, uh, that they may be biased if, if there's no enough women working also on that side so. and previously to the podcast um, I mean am I allowed to speak about your initiative for women? Yes. Um, we discussed about your initiative for women so tell me more about that because I'm really 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 interested <laughs> So that's something that takes me part of my weekends alongside with other three other co-founders. Uh, we're trying to launch an initiative called Impulse for Women. So what we want is to add on top of other... Bueno, the risk of having a podcast recorded in Barcelona. <laughs> so what we want is to um, give uh, the entrepreneurs, women entrepreneurs, the opportunity to be able to access more investors. So we put both investors who may be male and female uh, together in a platform that we are now developing. 
um, I'm alongside with another venture capitalist in Spain, a teacher from ESA and a business angel. Uh, so bringing the different approaches, so the academics and the corporates and business and business angels. So trying to rate those startups with the business angels involvement and give, give them visibility among the investor community. That means not only through the platform that hopefully is going to be ready in two or three months, but also in events and uh, being able to connect them to, to main investors and being able to identify those investors that may be fitting with them. We need more women like you, empowering women. So we should, yeah, we should definitely keep in touch. Thank you for coming. This is a fantastic, um, fantastic opportunity for me to, for you to be the first women on this podcast because it's only like two weeks old. Okay. But thank you for so much for taking part and uh, hope everything goes the best for you. Thanks for inviting me. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> Take care, guys. Ciao, ciao. See you next time.